Welcome to Bullet Points, Second Amendment Talk and more here on Vinyl Draft Radio. I'm your host, Tony Ashcraft. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, uh, before we get to the firing line and all our usual business today, um, today is July 3rd. Tomorrow is Independence Day. And for some of us, that means just a holiday, just a day off work. But uh, I want you guys to uh, tomorrow when you're when you're barbecuing, when you're swimming, when you're hanging out with the family, um, when you're doing uh, whatever it is you might be doing on your day off, I want you to, to take a second and think about Independence Day. Think about what it really means, because no matter which side of the political spectrum you fall on, uh, no matter what the color of your skin is, no matter what the uh, religious background you come from or, or country you come from or, or how you got here or your economic status or any of that stuff, none of that matters. Um, but we should all be thankful and reflective um, that we are here in the good old U.S. of A. because the opportunities that we have here and the freedoms that we have here um, are unlike any other in, in any other country that ever has been or likely ever will be. So um, we need to uh, uh, to really take a second and uh, and reflect on that and be thankful for um, what we are blessed with uh, here in the United States. So let's get to it. Um, I've got a special guest on the show today coming up in the uh, in the next segment, and that is Mr. Charlie Melton of Charlie Mike Precision. Now, you guys know Charlie Melton. Charlie Melton recently held the world's record for the longest shot with a rifle, and that was 5,075 yards. That's a long way. Uh, now, that record was bested, but uh, Charlie's got another attempt, and he's going to talk about that and what he does and how he got to doing what he's doing. He's a really interesting guy. Um, he's got a lot to share with us, but if you want to stay with us on that and you're gonna, not going to want to miss it, I'm telling you, Charlie is an interesting guy, interesting guy. So uh, you guys, I know a lot of you are watching on Facebook right now. So to pick up the rest of the show, you can go to VinylDraftRadio.com, VinylDraftRadio.com, and uh, check us out. Um, there's a, a streaming button up in the uh, upper right-hand corner, I believe. You can click on that and listen to us here, Bullet Points, as well as all the other original programming and uh, classic rock that we play here on Vinyl Draft Radio. Uh, another way you can keep up with us is via the TuneIn app. It's free for Android. It's free for Apple. You can download it. Uh, install it, search for Vinyl Draft Radio, mark it as your favorite, tap that app, and we are just a thumb tap away anytime, 24-7. So, let's get to the firing line, and, uh, you know, the media is one of my one of my favorite things to beat up on because they're, they're easy targets, but, you know, the media, the anti-gun media, the anti-gun narrative is always there. And, uh, you know, we have we had uh, recently the, you know, the incidents in uh, uh, Parkland, Florida, and more recently, our neighbors here to the south uh, uh, here in Santa Fe. And then there was a, also a shooting out in uh, the Capital Gazette newspaper uh, in Maryland, I believe. But uh, somebody went up there and uh, uh, a guy that had, had an ongoing thing with the paper there and uh, took some lives up there. And uh so anytime things like this happen, the media jumps on it, and uh, they use it to, to further their anti-gun narrative. So in thinking about all that, um, you know, one of the things that the media likes to say is that we need gun control because less guns equals less crime. So is that true? Well, you know, from where I'm at, I don't think so. Um, there is a group called the uh, Small Arms Survey, and uh, recently... Um, they put out some some things that were pretty interesting statistically, and uh, I wanted to share some of that with you. Um, 
the uh, the most you know the, the generally accepted number about how many weapons about how many weapons there are in the United States is between 280 and about 300 million. By some estimations, 320 million or so. So, Small Arms Survey, their most recent um, uh, publication that they had out, uh, put that estimate at 384 million firearms. So that's a lot of guns. And if we look at the estimates of the population in the United States at about 320 million, that puts 1.25 guns in every person's hand in the United States. So we could arm every person one and one quarter of a time. That includes children. And uh, so that's one for everybody. That's one for me. That's one for Adam. That's one for Nancy Pelosi. That's one for Harry Reid. Um, that's one for Hillary. That's one for Barack. Everybody gets one. Love them or hate them. Everybody gets one. There's enough for everybody. And uh, again, these are just estimates, and that doesn't include, you know, 80% receivers um, that are not not tracked by a by serial number because they don't have one. Um, but that's a that's an interesting statistic. That's a very interesting number. Uh, so the same group also did a survey at a different time, or, or not not a survey, but but published a study that estimated that the United States military as a group as a whole has about four and a half million weapons. Now these don't include tanks and planes and rockets and grenade launchers and things like that but rifles and sidearms and things like that. So if you do some math, that means the citizenry of the United States has 87 times more weapons than the U.S. military does. 87 more times. That's a whole bunch. That's a whole bunch. So, um, uh, you know, that in and of itself is pretty interesting numbers. Um, and then if we go and let's look at the, uh, what our friends at the uh, FBI say, um, they published some information, uh, or the, the latest information that I have from these guys is uh, from, um, from October of last year to May of this year, the average number of background checks, so those are over-the-counter, that's the NICS system, you know, we fill out the 4473 for either a gun transfer or a new gun purchase. In that time period, averaged um, over 2 million per month, 2 million per month. So that's 500,000, half a million guns per week. This year alone, and that's not all the way up to this month, that's just in the first five months of this year, 11.3 million. So what, is all, what do all these numbers tell us? Uh, they tell us a couple of things. They tell us that, one, gun ownership uh, in the United States, the Second Amendment, is, is strong and not weakening. And uh, two, it tells us that the narrative that the media puts down about, hey, you know, if there's more guns, there's more crime, then, you know, statistically, crime should be through the roof right now. Because right now, gun ownership per capita in the United States is higher than it's ever been in history. Yet violent crime, all violent crime, not just violent crime with a gun, since the mid-90s, uh, mid to late 90s, has been going down little by little by little by little. And it continues on a downward trend decade to decade. So, you know, that's what we can gather from this. That's one of the things that we can, that we can get from, uh, from all these crazy numbers. Uh, the other thing that this sort of segues into, as um, you guys have heard me talk about, uh, Colt and Remington, uh, as of late, are two of the larger, more well-known companies that have been struggling financially in the gun industry. And you've heard people say from time to time that the gun industry is, is pretty soft, it's pretty weak. Well, these numbers would indicate, um, you know, something different, that that's not the case. But at the same time, we see some of these companies failing. Um, 
you know, filing bankruptcy. Uh, Colt has filed bankruptcy. Remington has filed bankruptcy. And there's a lot of these companies that just have went belly up. They just they're done. They're gone. So it got me thinking, you know, why is this? Why if gun ownership per capita is high, background checks are, are high, so people are people are wanting guns, people are buying guns, people are hanging on to guns, gun transfers are going on, so there's all this commerce with firearms. So why are the companies failing? And uh, I can tell you with the case of, of Colt, uh, from what's been reported, their press releases and, and just their their actions in general, it is a uh, it is a gross mismanagement of the company. Um, I'll put Remington uh, in that same boat too. So, um, it, in keeping with that poorly managed gun company theme, um, American Outdoor Brands, who owns Smith and Wesson, and they own a couple of other brands too. But um, you guys are familiar with Gemtech. Uh, they make suppressors. They're a good solid name. Um, they've been around for a good while, and uh, they've, they've had a lot of great products and a lot of innovation. Well, they are under the umbrella of American Outdoor Brands, and uh, that is Smith & Wesson as well. So recently, um, the good folks at American Outdoor Brands told the Gemtech folks that um, in about nine months, we're going to be moving, and you guys don't have a job anymore. So uh, that, was, that was really bad news. And that is a... Um, and, and again, this goes back to the the mismanagement that I'm talking about. When you take these big companies, just sort of legacy companies, the Remingtons, the Colts, um, the Winchesters, Smith & Wesson, you know, all these names that we all are all synonymous with firearms that have been around for forever. And uh, they're just running some of these small companies into the ground. And uh, for the life of me, I don't understand it. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what happens to uh, what happens to Gemtech. Um I don't know if the company is going to survive. It's certainly not going to be what we've known it to be uh, since its inception. Um, and that is, I put the blame directly in the lap of, uh, of, of American Outdoor Brands and Smith & Wesson. They, they, I just don't understand it. I'm sure, you know, if, if we ask them, they would say it's something financial. But, you know, if you can't keep your own house in order, you probably ought not be buying up companies and, and wrecking them into the ground. That's not cool. Not good because that damages the uh, that damages the industry. If you think about um, the Gemtech uh, American Outdoor Brands Smith and Wesson relationship, it's sort of reminiscent of you guys remember AAC suppressors also. Yeah, me either. But no, AAC seriously was a was a a great innovator. I mean, they were big in the suppressor market. They really brought a lot of good products, just like Gemtech. I mean, they really came out and really showed some innovation and really showed some, some strength in, uh, in, the, in the Second Amendment market. Um, and it was great for consumers. It was great for everybody. You know, these companies come out and they, they innovate, they offer new things, and, and, and they, they build up a demand, and we all get new products, better products, cheaper products, more selection, and it's good for everybody involved. But guess who got involved in AAC? Remington. And what happened? Good question. Now AAC is just just a blip on the radar. I mean, they're just barely visible. So it's terrible. Um, yeah, I don't know these these big companies, man. It it, it is it's it's sad to see that uh, that these big guys are really are really messing it up for some of these small to mid sized companies because uh, those guys are really the guys um, you know that get after it that really, really do the innovation, that really make the products we want, because uh, guys like Colt, you know, get back and sit on their hands and keep making the same crap that nobody really wants and then complain about nobody buying it. So uh, 
So who knows? We'll see what happens. Hey, we're coming up on a break here in just a few minutes, but I want to remind you, Charlie Melton, Charlie Mike Precision, is right on the other side of the break. You guys are going to want to stay with us. So on the TuneIn app or VinylDraftRadio.com, you're not going to want to miss it, man. Charlie's got a lot of good things to say, and he is an interesting guy, to say the least. So you guys come on back. Stay with us. Bullet Points on Vinyl Draft Radio. Welcome back to Bullet Points on Vinyl Draft Radio. I'm your host, Tony Ashcraft. And joining us on the phone today, Mr. Charlie Melton of Charlie Mike Precision. Charlie, we appreciate you being on, man. Welcome, my friend. Yes, sir. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate you having me. Yes, sir. So um, I was telling the folks a little bit um, about uh, about you and kind of what you do a little bit. Um, I think that uh, people that are familiar with uh, the name Charlie Melton um, know you for the uh, for the the five thousand plus yard shot that you had, which is just in and of itself amazing. But I know there's more to you than just one record in the books. So um, let's talk about Charlie Melton, man. Let's let's go back a little bit. And you know, you uh, you served in the military for you had a good career in the military, and uh, I know that uh, that's something that is near and dear to your heart. So why don't you tell us about uh, about Charlie and uh, and how you kind of got started into into shooting and what you did, you know, going into the military and sort of what puts you on that path. Yes, sir. So uh, I'm just a just a small town country boy. Grew up in Georgia and uh, always wanted to join the military, become a Navy SEAL, and uh, ended up doing it when I turned 19. Uh, ended up joining the service. Did 25 years as a Navy SEAL and uh, did a lot of cool stuff. Then after that, I retired and uh, moved out to Texas and uh, just started the company a couple years ago called Charlie Mac Precision and uh, yeah, just building guns and teaching people how to shoot. There you go. So when you went, you went straight out of. You said you joined the the uh, Navy when you were nineteen. Yes, sir. And was uh, was your intent to be a Navy SEAL just right out of the box? You were in high school and you were thinking that's what you had your eyes set on. That was your that was your goal. Yes, sir. I think I wanted to be a Navy SEAL or some type of special forces until I was probably eight or nine years old. Really? And was that just something that yes, sir. Uh, you kind of? You kind of did on your own, or was there some inspiration, something that in- inspired you, something that happened, or just kind of, kind of the mentality that set in on you? Yeah, there was a lot of inspiration. My dad was in; the, he did eight years in the Navy. He wasn't a SEAL, but uh, he was a air, he was on an aircraft carrier, uh, aircraft mechanic. Mm-hmm. But he had a buddy who used to come over and tell stories when I was a young kid, and kind of kind of inspired me. Yeah! Wow. So you. Uh, you, I think uh, last time you and I talked, we were we were talking on the phone, and you said your your first your first attempt in in buds was uh, wasn't successful. Is that right? Well, no, it was success. Or my first trial for the SEAL team. So when I was in boot camp, you trial for the SEALs or whatever. But and uh, part of it's swimming, obviously. And uh, I didn't know how to swim, so yes. So I tried out for the, the screening test or whatever, and didn't know how to swim, so I almost drowned. So then after boot camp, I went to A school and learned how to swim and then went back and retried out and made it. Just like that. So, man, um, you know, Buds, uh, a lot of folks I don't think really know what what it takes to be a Navy SEAL. You know, they see sort of the, I, I guess now, you know, with um, uh, with the, the sort of the Hollywood portrayal of the Navy SEAL, you know, um, some of these guys, I don't think that people really realize the 
you know, what it takes, what you guys have to go through um, to be a Navy SEAL. And it's, uh, I know it's, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. Bud's is, is insane. Um, and I don't think folks really, really realize the depth of what it takes. As a, as a percentage, do you have any idea, um, you know, how many folks go into Bud's versus how many people actually get through it? Uh, I'm not sure what it is now, but I think before it's probably like 20% graduate or something like that. But, uh, yeah, Bud is definitely set up to weed out the weak and, uh, I don't know, figure out who the alpha males are. I think, and they've been doing it for many years and they, they've definitely got the process down. Yeah. Well, man, a 20% graduation rate, that's, uh, that's only one in five. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty lean. So you gotta be, a you got to be a real badass to get to through some of that. So tell me, man, when you went through buds, what for you personally, what did you, um, what did you think was the hardest part? So what, what was, you know, was going through there, uh, other than having to learn how to swim, but, uh, what was the one thing that you did in buds that you thought, my God, this is, this is the worst thing I've ever done. Well, I'd have to say swimming was my hardest obstacle to overcome, but, uh, as far as that, I actually, I enjoyed buds. It was, it was a great time for me. It was one of the highlights of my life. Wow. So uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. That's good. That's amazing. Um, yeah, I wish uh, there uh, – I know there's some uh, – there's some there, – there, there used to be some uh, uh, some programs on TV and whatnot that kind of exposed um, budge training to, uh, to the folks, you know, what it really is and some of the things that these guys really do. But, uh, yeah, you can't uh, – you can't measure the scope of what an individual has to go through um, – inclusive of budge training um to become a navy seal it's not a it's not a walkthrough thing it's not a it's not a glamorous thing it's a it's a tough deal and that's something that you gotta that you gotta really want um to get there so uh 25 years as a navy seal charlie yes sir wow i retired about three three years ago or four years ago now how about that so when you were um so tell me about the 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 sniper end of it. So when you went into it, how did you you know how did you get to to the sniper side of of being a seal? Well, as a kid, I was always into shooting and long distance and all that stuff. And then uh, once I joined the, obviously I learned from my grandpa and uncles and stuff how to shoot Kentucky windage. But when I joined the seals, they actually honed my skills and taught me a lot of a lot of good information. So I always enjoy shooting, and I've always been naturally good at it so i just all the training i got just made me better and uh yes it's always been kind of my thing yeah so that's something that uh that you still apply to uh to your instruction and uh uh at uh, at cmp i'm sure those uh those skills come in handy you pass those along to other people so that is uh that's fascinating so uh, in your career i mean 25 years is a long time what's uh you know tell, tell us about some of the things that uh that you that you went through during your service Oh, that would be a long story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. My career was awesome. I mean, I've been all over the world, done some awesome things, worked with some most incredible people in the world, like just awesome, awesome, awesome dudes, people that are friends for life. And it's definitely a brotherhood. So, yeah, yeah no, no question. Yeah, no question about it. No question about it. It's, um, yeah, I think uh I think, you know, doing doing what you do, um, it's gotta be uh 
Got to be, got to be very, very interesting. Um, do you recall? Uh, did you see any? Uh, do you any combat tours? I'm sure you would have had to. Yes, sir. Uh, a few. A few. So, do you remember? Uh, you remember the first one you went out on? I mean, you had to something like that. I mean, even though you're you're trained and you're uh, you've been through everything you've been through, I mean, you gotta gotta be a little bit nervous going out there, huh? Oh yeah, the first time you get bullets flying over your head, you get a little nervous, but you get used to it. <laughs> Oh man, you say that like it's a I, I you know thinking about hey I, you get used to bullets flying over your head. I don't think that's something I could I could ever I could ever get used to. But um, you know I'm not a Navy SEAL, so that's uh, that's probably that's probably a good part of that. So um, oh, yeah, probably, probably part of the training. Yeah, wow, and that's that's incredible. That's incredible. I can only imagine um, you know the things that uh, things that you've seen in the places that you've been. Um, it's just. Uh, it's it's beyond impressive. So, so twenty five years uh, now. At one point in time, um, you became a a a sniper instructor. Is that correct? Yes, sir. That was uh, later. So I joined. I think I joined in nineteen ninety after high school, and mm-hmm. then uh, I went to sniper school like nineteen ninety four. So I've been a sniper from nineteen ninety four my whole time my career. I was pretty much a sniper most of the time. So did you? How did you get into the? Um, I mean, what made you? What made you strive for the, for the really really long range shot? You know, because I think a lot of people don't really realize. I mean, five thousand plus yards that that is a long way. So when you were in uh, uh, in the Navy SEALs, when you were a sniper there, what was the longest shot that they trained you guys out to, or did they? Did they have a like a limit on uh, what they sort of trained you for? Oh, yeah, we must have just trained out the 1,500 yards most of the time. But, yeah, what got me into doing the 5,000-yard shot was uh, people said it couldn't be done. <laughs> that's a good way. Yeah, that's a good motivator right there. I tell you, you can't do it and watch it happen and watch it happen. So when you were in the uh, – uh, when you were a SEAL, what was, your, uh, what was your weapon? What was your sniper weapon? My favorite was the – obviously, as a SEAL sniper, you get a whole suite of weapons. But uh, my favorite was the 300 wind mag. 300 win mag yeah that's uh that's a good cartridge it's a good cartridge a lot of guys a lot of guys hunt with that that's a that's got a lot of there's a lot of ballistic advantage to uh to the 300 win mag it's a great great round round so in uh so 1500 yards is what you guys trained to was there anything that um anything that stands out for you um you know what you knew prior to going into sniper school and once you got into sniper school was there any one thing that they they taught you that they uh, they exposed you to that that you thought man I didn't I didn't realize that it was completely new to you as far as how to shoot? Yes, sir, and that's uh, basically what I te- teach to this day. I mean, it all boils down to principles of shooting, and, it, and until you master the principles of shooting, there's no reason to go any any further. And that's kind of what I base my courses on too. So there's. I teach seven principles of shooting, and until you figure out how to master those, there's there's no point in uh, moving on and trying to buy high speed gear or do anything else. Wow! So, uh, is are those uh, those something you can share with us? The principles of shooting. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's right. so. I teach seven basic principles. Uh, the first one, body position. Second one is uh, grip. Third is trigger control. Uh, fourth is sight alignment. Fifth is sight picture. Sixth is breathing, and seven is follow through. 
and you just come up with a mental checklist every time you shoot and training that over and over through repetition and perfect practice you build muscle memory and it just it's amazing how good you get at shooting so what do you think the um, what do you think the biggest uh, the biggest single deficiency is? So the people that come out to the class, because um, I'm sure you get guys out there that um, that have a pretty good grip on uh, on long distance precision shooting, or at least think they do, you know. But there's a reason that they're they're out there letting you you know train them. But you know some of the preconceived notions that people have. What do you think the the biggest misconception is that people have? In long range shooting, what's the what's the biggest hurdle they need to overcome? The biggest hurdle is uh, just perfecting those seven principles, and probably the one that people mess up the most is by trigger control and and front sight focus and second sight picture. That's probably the biggest one. Trigger control is huge. Hmm. Yeah, that's um, you know I, I see uh, I do a little a little bit of uh, pistol proficiency training from time to time. And I, uh, I think the biggest thing, you know, when I see it is, uh, is grip, proper grip technique on a handgun. So I would think um, that, you know, some of those things that you're talking about, that's always the thing that messes them up because they don't, they don't have the proper grip. And when they squeeze the trigger, you know, it causes the gun to go one way or the other and they can't stay on the target. So, um, but that sort of yep. falls back into what you said about the, the seven principles. If you don't have that down, there's no reason to go forward because you're never going to get it right. Never, ever going to get it right. Well, that yeah, is, man, that, and that's tough. That, your grip and trigger control all goes in together. When you grip the gun, that's part of your trigger control. And, uh, yeah, that's the biggest thing people make mistakes. And those seven principles don't only apply to long-range shooting. It applies to pistol shooting, carbine shooting, shot, any kind of shooting. Well, it applies to all those principles apply to it. Yeah, I would I would think so. It's uh there's a lot of a lot of good solid fundamentals I think that uh that a lot of folks are are missing. So it's very very interesting to talk about. So, I got to take a break here in just a few seconds, but um coming up, Charlie, I want you to uh to share with the folks about um you know, the class that you have and 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 what you do and how you train folks and uh you know, where they can find you so um they can they can get to you so we can get people People shooting out to 5,000 yards, put a little competition in your backyard. So, uh, guys, stay with us. Uh, Bullet Points on Vinyl Draft Radio coming up after the break. Uh, More with Charlie Melton of Charlie Mike Precision. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Bullet Points coming to you from Vinyl Draft Radio. On the line with us, Mr. Charlie Melton of Charlie Mike Precision. Now, if you guys missed the first two segments, you're missing a lot, man. Charlie interesting guy he um he uh he took a shot not too long ago or i guess it was a while back charlie but it was it was five thousand plus yards and uh i asked charlie what uh what made him want to shoot out that far and he said because somebody told him it couldn't be done so he proved him wrong but uh yeah charlie uh navy seal for a number of years so charlie before i forget man thanks for your service uh i think if we discuss anything today that's the most important thing um, you know, we like vets here on the show and, and anybody that, that puts their time and effort and uh, love into service to this country, I think, uh, deserves all of our respect and admiration. So you certainly have mine, sir. Um, but, uh, I, you know, we want to talk about, you know, kind of what you do out there at Charlie Mike Precision. So you offer you offer training for long range shooting and some other classes and things like that. So if if I want to, you know, I'm not a long range shooter kind of guy. Um, I'm just not. I'm not. 
I've never been never been taught, um, you know, extreme long range. You know, guys will you talk to people and they say, oh, well, I, you know, I want to learn to shoot 600 yards or 700 yards or 800 yards. You know, and I think most guys, most hunters don't get a shot out beyond maybe 300-ish yards, uh, especially here in Texas. There's not a lot of not a lot of spots out where you're going to really find that kind of range. But um, for somebody, I think once you get out, now correct me if I'm wrong, but once you get out past, you know, three or 400 yards or so and you start getting out to those longer distances, um, I know the, the, the same principles apply that we were talking about, the seven principles, you know, earlier in the, in the discipline of shooting. But in the way that you, um, that you acquire your target and the adjustments that you have to make have got to be um, far and beyond what you make at a, you know, at a three or 400 yard shot. Yes, sir. That's correct. Yeah. Three or 400 yards is a pretty easy shot once you get your dumb stuff. But once you get, once you start getting out farther than that, then all the environmental effects start taking effect on them. On, the, on your bullet so yeah if you're shooting a three inch group at 100 yards by the time you get to 300 that becomes a nine inch group and by the time you're at a thousand that's a whatever inch group so yeah it just multi it continuously multiplies so so that's at 100 uh, yards so you can so you can shoot every round in a same hole or half an inch and there's no point in going past 200 yards yeah, because I guess uh, if we're talking uh, if we're talking MOA, it's one inch for every hundred yards. So that that angle that you're off widens as it leaves the barrel of the gun. So the further away you get, the further off your bullet is. Yeah, I mean the further you get out, the wind starts affecting your bullet. If you got different winds and all that, all the environmental effects, it's, it all comes into play. It's a it's very interesting. Takes a lot of uh, calculations and figuring, and uh, a lot of experience of just doing it. Yeah, and that's one of the that's uh, you know one of those things when I when I was talking about that, you know, I don't think people realize what it takes to to make a shot that far. And we're talking you know six, seven, eight hundred yards, not five thousand yards. I mean that's that's just insane to me. Um, but uh, yeah, the environmental effects, uh, windage, I guess, humidity and heat play a role as well too. Correct? Yep, humidity, heat, uh, barometric pressure. The sun, which direction it's coming from, the wind. Uh, as uh, when you start getting out far, the Coriolis effect, the spinning of the Earth, um, that affects it. And then you got your spin drift. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of factors that goes into figuring out long shots. Wow, that's uh, <laughs> that 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 math just boggles the mind. All the uh, all the environmental variables that you have to take into effect for a shot that far. But uh, I know we were talking at one time, and uh, you know, again, I mentioned that uh, that I'm not I'm not a, a long range shooter guy. Um, but uh, you have a class out there at uh, Charlie Mike Precision, and and you teach folks to get out to a thousand yards. Yes, sir. I started a company about two years ago, Charlie Mike Precision, and uh, we're based out of Normandy, Texas, and uh, we have a two thousand yard range out here, but our our two-day long-range course that will get you out to a thousand yards and we do a class and teach you how to set up your gun and do everything all the basic principles you need to practice and uh yeah once you get through the course i mean well i haven't had anyone yet that wasn't shooting a group at a thousand yards after two days so after that it's just up to you to practice and uh practice perfect and repetition and build that muscle memory and you'll become a good shooter 
Yeah, I have a friend that uh, that reminds me that uh, that shooting is a perishable skill that you have to uh, you have to stay in practice and it's something that you have to keep work on. I, you know, I, I tell people, um, you know, this is the same thing that I think applies to uh, to handgun shooting. I tell folks when they buy a handgun, if you're gonna if you're gonna do the CHL thing, you can't just take your gun and qualify and then throw it in your nightstand and occasionally put it on your hip and think everything is gonna be okay. You got to go out. You got to practice with it. You got to keep that muscle memory. You got to keep those, um, you know, those fundamentals that you learned in practice. So a thousand yards in a couple of days, man, that seems uh, uh, that seems impossible. So if guy comes out there and wants to take your class, do they have to bring their own weapon? Uh, they can bring their own weapon, which is probably preferred. So you get the dope on your weapon and figure and get comfortable with your own weapon. But we also offer rental weapons if they want to rent one of our guns. So they can do that too. So they figure out what they want to buy and then uh yeah either way and then also for the pistol thing you're talking about you're exactly right people go get their chl and think they know how to use a pistol but we offer a pretty awesome pistol proficiency course that teaches people how to use a pistol correctly through gun safety and how to walk and shoot move and shoot and uh use their gun in a crowd if something happens so we offer that kind of course also yeah and that's a course I, i'm i'm all for people uh, people doing that because you know, long range shooting, I think, is um, that's that's very interesting, very intriguing. And but you're right about the uh, uh, the concealed handgun carry because you know you go and get a CHL. Um, I mean, all you do is you qualify on paper and you get a little instruction from a class, but you you have no idea, or most people have no idea. Shouldn't put that on everybody, but most people have no idea the practical application of of handgun like you said they they don't know shooting in a crowd is not taught they don't teach you um but there's a lot of different scenarios they don't teach you shooting from a vehicle getting into your vehicle you know pulling your weapon from a sitting position shooting prone shooting if you've got an injured limb shooting offhand they don't teach you any of that stuff so those are all things that um if you're serious about it are going to come into play well you hope they don't but you know it's better to i always tell people it's better to be prepared and never have to apply that preparedness versus getting stuck in a situation like that and being screwed because you have no idea what to do or how to do it. Um, so let's uh, let's get back to the long range shooting thing. We kind of got off on the CHL thing. I apologize, but um, so long range shooters. Yeah, actually, I'd like to say something on that. Kind of like like when you buy a gun or whatever, it'd be like, would you would you go out and buy an airplane and not take a lesson, learn how to fly? <laughs> Most people probably wouldn't. No, they so probably. I think it's the same thing. It's probably the same thing with a gun. If you go out and buy a gun, you should probably take a lesson and learn how to use it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're you're definitely. Um, you know, it becomes um, becomes almost a almost a dangerous thing to for for somebody to. I mean, it's one thing if you if you own a gun and recognize that you don't really know what you're doing and you recognize that you need instruction. And there's a lot of people like that. There's other people that go, Oh hell, I've been shooting for years. I got this. And that's the guy that's probably going to get themselves in trouble or, or worse, you know, someone else in trouble. That's, that's a, that's an accident walking around waiting to happen. So, um, but you know, you know how guys are, man, we all got our pride. Nobody wants to admit that they need a little bit of instruction or a little bit of help or a little bit of guidance. But, uh, but um, you know, when we think we know it all, that's when we start to fail. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, in the long range shooting thing, is there, if somebody wanted to do it with the old AR 15, man, if they just had a five, five, six NATO, are you going to get them out to a thousand yards with that cartridge? With a five, five, six? Yes, sir. Standard, 
They are probably not. Probably not. No, I didn't. You'd have to have a pretty badass match grade, five, five, six, to get out to a thousand, and not a lot of win, or not yeah. a call win. Very. Good. Um, so I'm going to ask you about some different different calibers, uh, and you let me know what you think. What's your What's your thoughts on the two two four Valkyrie? Um, I like the two two four Valkyrie. It's a good shot. You can definitely shoot out to a thousand with that thing all day long. And uh, yeah, it's a new round, and we actually. We just opened a gun shop also. We finally got our FFL last week, so we actually offered that in one of our ARs. But, yeah, it's a good round. It's definitely way, way better performance than the TG3. Yeah, no question about it. It it, get, it gets out there quite a bit. Um, what about the 6.5 Grendel? What do you think about that one? 6.5 Grendel's good. Actually, any 6-millimeter round is pretty pretty damn good. Um, I'm a big fan of 6.5 Creedmoor. I think everybody is. Uh, I mean, all the six millimeter rounds are good. I think the six five creek more just got marketed better. Yeah, and it's available in uh, more places for the ammo. Yeah, I agree. The uh, I think the Grendel's uh, uh well, I mean the Creedmoor's got a little bit more pop to it. The Grendel, um, but the Grendel's certainly a good round. I mean, very low recoil, very low recoil, good ballistic coefficient. I think it's a great round. But you're right about the marketing. It. Um, you know, I built a number of those uh, for folks, um, you know, hunters and guys that just want a, a better, you know, sort of uh, longer range rifle or something that's a little bit easier for them to, to shoot and, you know, have follow-up shots versus, say, a 308. you know, if they're not hunting big game, big game um, something that they just want to get out and, uh, and, and practice their long range skills with. I think the uh, the Grindel is, is great. But 224 Valkyrie is, is a pretty interesting round. It'll... Um, I, I don't I don't question the performance of it, but you know it's one of those things. Um, what are we going to think about the two two four Valkyrie this time next year? You know, is it going to be marketed? Is it going to be in the marketplace enough for for it to still be a uh, uh, a good solid viable cartridge? You know, because it's not always the technology. It's the it's the do the companies. You know, is there enough ammo for it? Is there enough uh, manufacturers for it uh, to match the demand to kind of get it out there? Um, well, Charlie, hang with us, man. We gotta we gotta pay some bills here in just a second, but we're gonna pick back up um, on the other side of the break. Charlie Melton of Charlie Mike Precision, come on back. Bullet points on Vinyl Draft Radio. Welcome back to Bullet Points on Vinyl Draft Radio. I'm Tony Ashcraft. Joining us today, Charlie Melton of Charlie Mike Precision. Charlie's been talking about long range shooting and uh, his career as a Navy SEAL. And Charlie's got a lot of a lot of interesting things to say. We could probably talk to him all day and uh, and never get bored with his stories. But uh, one story in particular that Charlie has that uh, he's going to share with us is a story about a grenade. That's right, a grenade. Now, how cool are you that you actually have a story about a grenade? Charlie, I'm going to pitch it to you, man. Grenade story. You got us listening. What you got, brother? All right. So, yeah, so out of my 25-year still career, um, one deployment was probably the best deployment ever when we went to Ramadi, Iraq. Uh, had lots of good missions and lots of good things. But uh been a lot of people on podcasts. I've told this story before, so if you've heard it before, you probably uh, get bored of it. But it's a good story, so I'm going to tell it again. So, <clears throat> so we were on a sniper mission, and uh, we basically went in to this, took over this house, and we were on the roof doing sniper stuff. And uh, I always kept a grenade next to my gun because – Usually one of their TTPs, when they figured out where we were, they'd come throw grenades up on the roof and try to kill us. So I always kept one next to my gun, and 
you and your shooting partner, we would do three hours on, three hours off on the gun. So I was getting ready. I'd been on for three hours. My partner came up to relieve me. So I got got up and I was walking down the stairs and we had a ISR up that was looking at the whole place. Uh, I started looking at the video and you could tell a couple guys like busted out a couple blocks away and they were heading toward us like tactically. So I was like, oh shit, they're probably coming in Grenadus. So I go back up on the roof and I walk up to the guy. I'm like, hey man, can I see that grenade? So he hands it to me like with a question mark look on his face. And uh, So I take it, pull the pin, throw it over on the corner of the building across from us. And uh, about that time, there's five guys around the corner and it goes off as soon as they round the corner. There's a lot of luck, a lot of whatever, but uh, yeah, blew up and the guy on the ISR was like, direct hit. <laughs> so then everybody stood up and threw a grenade. So Wow. Good story. So, so five guys with one grenade. Yep. <laughs> wow. Nothing. And they didn't, that was. That that's that's what we call efficiency, right there, sir. That's great. That's great. Oh, yeah. Man. So, what you know, you're talking about being up there, you know, three hours on, three hours off on the rifle. Uh, what was the longest continuous stint you had uh, in one position um, as a sniper? As a sniper? Yeah. Uh, it just depends on what you're doing. Like, I mean, we're doing urban stuff over there, so it's pretty easy. But, yeah, if you're doing, like, a desert stalking or anything like that, I mean, it could take you up to 10 hours just to crawl up, get in position to shoot, and then who knows how long you play there before you take the shot. Yeah, yeah it ranges from anywhere. Wow. That's got to be uh, that's gotta be an incredible amount of fatigue. Um I know that uh, in just just getting out and just you know shooting sometimes just uh, handgun shooting whatever you know you're there for a couple two or three hours and you come out worn out. You can only imagine you know crawling around for for hours upon hours upon hours and you know sitting in a prone position you know waiting on uh, waiting on a target um, for that long. That's 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 incredible. That's incredible. Amazing. Um, that requires requires a lot of patience. Yeah. When you do a recon mission, yeah, you might be watching the target for three days. Wow. So y'all worked in uh, two-man teams, you and a spotter? uh, For for a sniper mission, it depends on what the mission was. But, yeah, a typical sniper mission would be a shooter-spotter. But usually, like in Ramadi, it was different in urban. So we'd go in with the whole platoon and take over an urban building or whatever. So there's a little different scenario. It just depends on the scenario and what you're doing. Yeah, I gotcha. It's still, uh, man, that's that that's scary stuff. It's scary stuff. Um, so, I don't know about scary. It's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess if you're the if, if you're the sniper and uh, and and you got the range and you got the target and you got the spotter and you got the backup, yeah, that that would be very cool. Uh, getting shot at's the not cool part, but uh, man, that's the funnest part. That's the funnest part is getting out. Getting, getting out, shot at. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you always, you always got shot at getting out. <laughs> I'm sure, man. I'm sure. So, did you ever? Uh, did you, you ever feel like you got close to uh, to to having your career ended early while you were in combat? Oh yeah, sir. I've been blown up a couple times. I got shot in the head. Yep, I've had a couple couple inches close incidents. Wow, man, I, I can't imagine that's uh, it's just 
Uh, you know, for somebody like me that's never been in an environment like that, I see it and it just uh, it just blows my mind. I mean, like I said, I think a lot of people relate it to, uh, uh, you know, to TV and the movies and they think that uh, that's sort of how it goes. But it is, uh, I can only imagine it's, it's about a thousand times more intense than anything that any of us that haven't experienced um, can't imagine. Uh, well, like, yeah, like we were talking about earlier, it's, it's amazing what you get used to, just what you're trained to do. And, uh, yeah, you get used to anything. But. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Well, man, that's, uh, that is incredible. So, man, let's talk about, um, let's talk a little bit more about your business, about what you do and how people can find you. Charlie Mike Precision. I know that, uh, that you guys are redoing your website. I know you got a new website launch, uh, coming up here pretty soon, but, um, uh, so what's the website address in case people want to, want to look you up, get in contact with you or a good email for them to, uh, to reach out to you? Yes, sir. Uh, we've had kind of a six, eight month lull on our website. We're getting ready to relaunch. We just got our FFL. We got our uh, gun building business up. So uh, in two weeks, our stuff will be up online. You can reach us at charliemicprecision.com. And we're on all the social media pages. We'll be on Facebook, uh, YouTube, and all that. And, uh, or you can reach me at 858-204-0239 if you want to book a course. That's the easiest way. And, uh, some stuff we got going up in the future. We're getting ready to do a six thousand yard shot in September out in Utah, and then uh, yeah, we're getting our gun building going on. We're probably gonna put a team together for King of the Two Mile this year or next year. So yeah, we got a lot of stuff going on. Man. Yeah, uh, definitely give us a call if you want to learn how to shoot long range pistols or carbine. We offer all three courses. Yeah, I tell you, man, I got to get my get my lazy butt up there to to see you and spend some time with you. Um, because uh, if you can teach my old blind ass to shoot out to a thousand yards, man, that'll be a nothing short of miraculous. There, I'm gonna tell you, I'm hey, you. You want a challenge to tell you it can't be done? <laughs> I'm I'm the guy to put that challenge on, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna come up there and see you and spend some time with you. Hey, so um, you know, one one thing I didn't address that I meant to. I know you and I talked about it before, but um, uh, you know, out to to five or six thousand yards. Tell people about the round that you're using and the weapon that you're using to get out to uh, the five thousand yards, six thousand yards. I know it's a different round, but but tell folks about that. Well, I'm a very fortunate guy. I ran into a guy named Brad Stair. He owns performance guns and payouts rounds, but he makes very awesome guns. So he built my gun for that, and uh, we're actually kind of in business together. And uh, he's doing some stuff right now, and that will uh, come out in the future. But yeah, his gun is a 408 Tay House round, and uh, he does his custom gun, custom round, and uh, yeah, he's probably one of the best gun builders in the world, definitely in the top three. And uh, we got some other good gun builders coming in to help us out, also. Well, so you're not using the the 408 Tay House that you did the 5,000 plus with that one, but for the uh, 6,000, you're using the is it with the four? Would you tell me the four? No, nope, we're using the same gun. Oh, same gun, same round. Same round, yep. So the 408 Tejas, man, that's uh, man, that's amazing. Is that something that you have? Uh, if I come out and see, is that something I can get behind? If I can pull a trigger on that gun, it is. <laughs> that's what I wanted to hear. That's good. Uh, that's good positive influence, Charlie. Thanks, man. That's gonna make me come up there, and I won't have to click one off out there with you. That's great. Um, come on out. Yeah, I'm gonna get out there for sure, man. I have to uh, work in some time with you, but uh, yeah, I'd like to come out there and, and see what you guys got going well, on. And uh, and uh, well, one thing, yeah, one thing I'll add on that we're getting ready. Uh, so Lake Limestone is pretty close to where we're at, so we're uh, buying a lodge on Lake Limestone. So 
it'll be it'll be a pretty good time. You come out, stay at the lodge, and then we'll go to the range, shoot all day, and then go back hang out at the lodge and go fishing or whatever you want to do. Make good food. It's like a it's like an experience. It's not just shooting on the range all day. Yeah, that's real man stuff right there. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to do that. Can I, oh, sorry. I can just, I can I just go and just watch you guys? Maybe just your manliness will rub off on me. It's nah. You, I don't think we got enough manliness to get you going. Maybe, maybe. Charlie, that's Adam. I took him out to shoot uh, full auto not too long ago, so we upped his man card just a little bit. But uh, yeah, we might have to drag him out there with us, man. Let him. Uh, <laughs> let him, we, let him. We, put, we hey, we, hey, we. I promise we can put some stamps on this man guard. Yeah, there we no, go. <laughs> I don't think you guys realize that as soon as I got home from that, I noticed some new chest hairs sprouting. Ooh. That's how manly it was. It was. It was, yeah, it was very manly. It was very. Man- I have to send you the video, Charlie. It's pretty, pretty interesting. All right, hey Charlie, give us the phone number one more time for people that want to get in touch with you. Yep, phone number is eight five eight two zero four. 0239 or you can go to charliemikeprecision.com uh, in two weeks and you'll be able to sign up on there. Outstanding. Charlie Melton from Charlie Mike Precision. You guys check him out and uh, that's going to wrap it up for us today here at Bullet Points on Vinyl Draft Radio. Charlie, I really appreciate you joining us. I appreciate your time and uh, we will see you soon, my brother. That's going to wrap it up. We got to get out of here. You guys be armed, be smart. And be safe. We'll see you next Tuesday, 3 p.m., Bullet Points on Vinyl Draft Radio.